0: This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apinov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here with another issue of the We Spin Recipes podcast. And today I've got Benji Rogers, uh, the founder of Pledge Music, as a guest on the show. Hello, Benji. Hello, nice to be here. Uh, Thank you for uh, being on this conversation and how's everything on your end overall?
1: Everything's going good. We're, uh, we're in the, the home stretch for Thanksgiving in America and then getting ready for Christmas. And uh, I intend to take at least a week to sleep because it's been quite a year. So uh, we're, it's been an exciting, amazing, incredible, weird, wonderful year so far. So we're happy.
0: Yeah, well, sounds good. And I, I, yeah, I'm sure that you deserve it. Excellent. Thanks. So uh, do you mind uh, a couple of words on, on, just on Pledge Music just so we start the conversation about your company? It's an exciting one, but I, I I just have to start with the question that you ask, get asked the most, I assume. And uh, it's what your platform is. And uh, you can mention right away how it's different from existing solutions, for example, in the crowdfunding sp-
1: uh, sure. space. Sure. So basically, um, I founded the platform about six years ago. And the concept was that an artist, musician could go to their fans and say, be a part of the making of my album EP tour. And by being a part of it, you basically get to unlock access to a special part of the pledge platform that has early mixes, demos, video blogs, kind of shares the process of that. And um, in the end, the artist, the fan gets the album first before anybody else. And we've also built some uh, syndication technology, which when an artist creates a piece of content through these updates, through what we call the access pass updates, those updates can syndicate out in preview form to the, not only the artist's Facebook and Twitter, but also to the fan's Facebook and Twitter. So to put it simply, each fan beacons out every piece of the release that the artist does without having to push a button. So it's quite powerful in terms of its social implications. And really from being a, um, you know, a platform to you know, basically create albums, it's now actually become a community. Of some of the highest spending superfans in the world, all of whom you know basically come to watch musical creations come into being, as opposed to just a, you know a place where you can say, "Please give us X amount of dollars, and then we'll go make something." This is really a pre-ordering marketing platform that uh, you know from early on w- we were kind of categorized as a Kickstarter for music or Indiegogo for music. We never really viewed ourselves that way. We we really viewed ourselves as a as a window into the creative process. For fans and as a way to you know get their albums out in the coolest possible way to artists. So mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. super fan platform, cool syndication technology, way to pre-order albums. That's kind of how I view us. Sounds, or even, so, yeah, of course. sounds
0: sounds good. And uh, is there a way to offer some other incentives and uh, rewards to fans who pledge?
1: Yeah, they are. not I, I guess if you would put it because you know so most crowdfunding platforms have rewards that you would you know, basically, you know, donate towards. Pledge is very different. People are pre-ordering an album. People are pre-ordering a vinyl, signed vinyl, test pressing, poster. They're actually buying physical goods before they've been created. So you're not donating. You're not, you know, the reward, if there is any, is access to this very cool, you know, part of uh, the updates. So, for example, you know, some of our artists, uh, you know, one of our uh, Mike Doty, for example, the guy from Soul Coughing, he wanted to basically bring his fans along as he made this new album. He was working with a, a great producer called Good Goose, who was doing you know some pretty you know bass-heavy tracks. So they decided to make 45 rpm, 33, and uh, sorry, 12 inch vinyl in order to really kind of you know get the best that the album could. So yeah, you're buying physical and tangible products quite often, and the average fan spends 61 US dollars per transaction. So they want a handwritten lyric sheet if you're a singer-songwriter. They want, you know, early versions of mixes. They want test pressings. They want artwork. They want white labels. All the stuff that normally is, uh, is kind of cast aside or put away. So yeah, it's been a pretty amazing um, experience. And watching artists weave their creative web through our platform has been pretty cool to watch.
0: Sounds interesting. I, I really like this idea of letting the fans watch how a record is created. The value of record is uh, increased by that, in my opinion, because most of the times people just don't see how something is created, but when they are given a chance to get an inside look into a studio, for example, into the process and so on, the value of the finished product increases and uh, by these pre-ordering and uh, keeping an eye on everything. Well, it sounds really good. And as a concept, I know it's a proven concept for sure, but let me ask you if you think it just works best for those who have uh, existing fan bases, or can you comment on how big, in your opinion, a fan base should be, of what scale in order for the platform to work for an artist? Sure.
1: Um, I I think it really depends on your expectation. The majority of artists that we would first work with would come in and say, I want to do, you know, 5,000 pre-orders of my record. And it's just, that's very hard to do, even for some of the biggest artists out there. And it really does depend on what you offer. But my kind of golden rule is, if there are 50 people at your show, would you rather that they streamed your music for free when it came out? Or would you rather they pre-ordered the record at an average spend per fan of $61 and then streamed your music when it came out? Because both are possible if you offer both. If you only offer one, only one path is possible. And what I see so many artists do is basically put up a pre-order on their website for some physical product, put the music on iTunes, Amazon, Beatport, SoundCloud, streaming, anywhere. They basically like get scattershot. And what they do is they actually cut off the fan's ability to spend. So it applies across any level of artist. If you've got 50 fans, let them do something. Let them reach further than just 50 fans regularly would. Because, you know, I get daily speaking, I would say probably, you know, three to four artists sending me a SoundCloud link or a YouTube link or something. What am I supposed to do with that? I mean, I can listen. And then what? Like, it's over. It's just, you know, and I think ultimately what we do is we give fans something to share, something to do. And we also give them the power to reshare what it is that they're doing without pushing a button. That's an immensely powerful tool. And I think that if you're an emerging artist coming out with your first release, maybe your first single, your first EP, your first video, whatever it is, to not give your fans, even if there are only a few of them, the ability to auto share and the ability to kind of create a community around you just means that you're giving them less power. You're giving yourself less power and you're giving all of your data and a big piece of your income over to third parties who are never going to give your fans as good of an experience as you can as an artist.
0: So let me rephrase you uh, just to, to make sure that I got it right. So basically we we have a small audience, for example, for a, for, for an artist who, who's got uh, an EP coming out in a month and uh, that artist can put a pre-order on the website and <laughs> no matter w- where the pre-order will be, probably the... X amounts of fans, of super fans, will make this pre-order, for example, like 10 people will do it. If it's uh, on iTunes, they will spend their 10 bucks and uh, it will be pretty boring. But if you give them the opportunity to spend more, they will happily, most of them, spend more. So basically you have the same amount of super fans, but you give them an opportunity to spend more on you.
1: I mean, Andrew, the most important thing to remember is that right now you know, if you don't give your fans something to do, no matter what level of artist you are, they simply can't. It's a bit like, you know, if I like a massive band, what can I do about it? I can basically listen to their songs quite passively on a service, or that band gives me more to do and I can go and I can jump around at a show. But I think that ultimately what it's about is when you're starting out, you may have 30 to 50 super loyal fans, right? And they are going to be influencers. They're the ones that have discovered you first. You sort of belong to them, if you will. And so the more you give them, the more power you give them to be able to share what you're doing, the better. And it's not just about sharing a link to get listened to somewhere else, because it's got to lead to a broader action. And also, if you've got 100,000 fa- know, fans on Facebook, let's say on Twitter, on Instagram, it's very hard to reach all 100,000 of them. If you've got 300 fans, or 500 fans or 1,000 fans, it's actually easier to reach that many people, because you're not suffering under the weight of what platforms have to do to stop you from basically spamming hundreds of thousands of people at once, which is, you know, put the advertising model in. So I believe that an artist that begins their life coming through a pledge campaign for their first EP will come back and do their album and, a, and their next album because they're bringing the fans into an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And also, think of it this way. Let's say that you have an incredibly viral track, you know, up on SoundCloud. How do you recontact those people again to sell them some vinyl, to sell them something else? You're giving platforms nine times out of ten data, which they can then recontact your fans, but you have a harder time doing. And particularly iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, etc. There's basically, it's out there. You're watching people experience it. They're giving Spotify and all these other companies money, but you, and they're giving you money, sure but you're not getting the data on the superfans. So I think what any artist beginning their journey now has to understand is they have to think a bit like a tech company. Each superfan that you can recontact is your nest egg. That is your future. That is your reach these are the people that will these are your influencers. And the more of them you have available to you to recontact, the better. I you mean, know, when a tech company sells it, you know, it has an average lifetime It has a cost per consumer, you know, to get them. But it's also got, you know, an average, what's the word? I can't think of it right now. Basically, each customer that they have, they assign a value to between $50 and $100. And so artists need to think along that same way. If you can email a 100 people who will represent $50 to you or $100 a year, that's a really decent business when you get to 10,000 people or 20,000 people. And each artist needs to remember that they've got to think slightly like someone would about the data, because it's going to become one of the most important things in the future,
0: yeah, yeah, cool, and I think that tip about thinking like a tech company it's worth uh looking into even some books about uh growth hacking and so on for musicians in my yeah. opinion, because there is a lot of of insights that's applicable to music industry and uh one thing that I've learned myself for up and coming artists when they don't have a huge audiences, uh, they shouldn't most of the times think about reaching these first super fans through twitter or facebook or something else just reaching out to them personally like to 10 20 or 50 people and talking to them and explaining why big pledging for example is so important to them and converting to them this non-scalable very manual way can work out pretty well i I, as i know quite a bit of tech companies have done these airbnb and some so yeah. so many others in the past so yeah and what you just mentioned perfectly makes sense what uh something that you mentioned earlier about this auto share feature it got me intrigued do you see that fans are generally okay with stuff being posted on their facebook and twitter accounts
1: yeah but I uh, mean, again uh most fans wouldn't be but these tend to be super fans and it, it isn't forced upon them But what we found is it's 17% of our inbound traffic comes from this. So, you know, again, and if we look at our numbers, we're seeing between 30 and 40% of pre-sales coming from within our own platform. So what we've done is we've basically built the superfan an ability to share beyond their normal reach. Because ultimately, you know, in the making of an album, let's just say that you've got, you know, 12 pieces of content that you would share on Facebook and Twitter. But holding on me, A, to see it... And then B, me to go in action, sharing, commenting, tweeting. Whereas this way, if we've got, let's say, 30 pieces of content, and each one of those is chopped into a 30-second clip, syndicated out, you know, fans can turn it off. And sometimes they ask to, particularly if they're famous people. And we definitely show them how. But they have to opt in and authorize in both their Facebook and Twitter to be able to do it in the first place. So you know, if the artist, we have actually had to build in where artists recognize how powerful it is. So they would do three updates at once and hammer them really fast. So all of a sudden, the social web is just, you know, flying with these bands. So we have to actually, you know, time them out so that, you know, it won't syndicate out more than X number per hour and that Mm -hmm, kind
0: of thing. -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes artists just don't fully realize how it works, even if you try to educate them. So it's good to have some prevention system from spamming their defense you know, accounts.
1: amazing. We actually have one artist that, that this was so popular for. People actually stripped the metadata out of the photos that they were posting from the studio and found the studio. That's ah. how, like, these are not like, like your average kind of all just hit play and listen. These are super hardcore, crazy fans. So um, it's brilliant. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely a different animal.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, I think every artist at least should want to have such fans and should walk towards building this kind of fan base. That's really cool. So as I know, you can have uh, two types of um, campaigns where you are looking to raise the full sum. And uh, and, and so how does it work? Can I do I actually have options right now? Maybe the uh, data that I have is outdated.
1: Yeah, so, so basically there's two types of campaigns. There's basically a pledge music campaign, a traditional one, which is where you can set a financial target in the back end of the platform. No one sees how much that is. And basically, we, we show a percentage between 0 and 100%. Once you hit 100%, that's when we charge all the cards and it moves forward. Or you can have just a straight pre-order, whereby you just run the, the pre-orders. One of the difference, and there isn't any, any target or anything along those lines, it just counts down towards um, uh, time released. One of the interesting things there was that when we got rid of the financial amounts, we saw that fans actually spent more. And also, a bunch of the artists we wanted to work with wouldn't didn't feel comfortable showing their finances publicly because they felt it, it you know, it diminished, you know, their brand and their worth. Because even though they felt, or they may have felt that they were worth more to show that, you know, oh, our band just raised five thousand dollars for an EP. Uh, a lot of them that was not acceptable to. So that's the reason that we changed um, the ways of doing it. Also, another thing I should mention, our campaigns are much longer. So instead of having, you know, you've got 30 days to hit 30 grand, then an album gets made. Quite often, our campaigns can be six months, nine months, a year long. And what we've seen is that there are waves. When the campaign launches, it has a big spike and it kind of levels off while the album's being made. And then it kind of ramps up towards the end. So it's really about playing with the timing. And if you add the financial piece, even if you don't need to, those campaigns tend to outperform regular pre order campaigns because you've got more drivers. You've got a driver of time to goal, you've got driver of post goal, you've got driver of percentage to reach goal. And that's where it gets really interesting. Even artists that don't need the money sometimes still use it because it is a, a more powerful tool. Fans, you know, so, so what they'll do is they'll say, At 25%, we're going to release a video. At 50%, Mm -hmm. we're going to release a new song. That kind of thing, is that they use that as a driver, even though the underpinning underneath it is actually financial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Cool. And I've read that you have a very high campaign success rate, especially compared to crowdfunding
1: websites. Is it the case? Yeah. We have two levels. We've got uh, bands that that sign up for the platform, which we call our our, our organic signups. And um, that success rate's 81%. And for bands that we go and find, that we go A&R and we bring them into the platform, it's about 88.9%. 88.1%, I think it is, as of today. So, yeah, I mean, basically, we also have, have a, a full-service team here who help get proposals written, who help get campaigns created. Um, we also uh, know all about price points. We also have manufacturing and fulfillment if it's wanted. It's really become like a full-service operation, if that's desired. But we also work with artists that are assigned to labels and on and on. So it's not like um, it's a very high touch platform. And the reason for that is, is that we know our, our we our campaign team know more about how to run these campaigns than could possibly be put into videos and blogs. And I think that part of our you know, appeal is, is that we help artists get through these very difficult things as opposed to just making it, you know, like sign up here and go do it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an exciting opportunity.
0: Cool. Benji, so do you mind uh, sharing some cool case studies? Something interesting, maybe something recent or just some highlights of recent months?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, one of the most exciting campaigns we did recently was with the band Weezer. That was our first campaign with a major label with Universal. And that was very cool watching Rivers and the guys get involved in, you know, kind of the release of the album. And uh, we hadn't really had an artist of that caliber kind of hit the platform. Before with the way major behind it. So that was definitely really cool. One of my favorite campaigns we just did was um, for the Frankie Goes to Hollywood box set, whereby it was the, their labels, uh, ZTT Records, was reissuing Welcome to the Pleasure Dome on four disc vinyl. And they were offering things like test pressings, cassettes, album artwork proofs. And they even did um, a- an album listening session to the record in Sarm West Studios where it was recorded with Trevor Horn, the producer. So, again, as a music fan, that kind of stuff just really ticks my boxes. Um, we also worked with the Flaming Lips just recently. And oh. so we had a video with them and Miley Cyrus That was uh, and Moby. That was super interesting. And uh, I think also, you know, things like um, we worked with the band Buzzcocks, and they got a signed handwritten lyric sheet from Pete Shelley. Uh, got to watch them make the album. What was great about that campaign, actually, was is they really used... Uh, we, we have within our system a survey functionality. So you can upload songs and, and fans can vote for which ones they want. You can upload different artwork and they can say which one, you know, they prefer. Like, it's pretty well built out system. So the Buzzcocks really used that well. They were like, you know, what color vinyl do you want? That kind of thing. And um, fans could vote for that. So I think giving fans that type of control, whenever artists use that, that's very cool. And then, of course, you know, we've got, you know, Smashing Pumpkins on the homepage right now. And that's pretty cool. So, you know. yeah, Yeah. As I said, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Yeah,
0: yeah it's and yeah it's it's really exciting. so going back to running these uh the campaigns, I've got a couple more questions if you don't mind uh, just to provide some practical tips to those who got interested in the platform and trying it out. So what type of content would you recommend uh, preparing or just keeping in mind that if I launch uh, the campaign, then I will need to create these types of content. maybe you've seen that video reports uh, work particularly well, or just photos or text, or how should an artist be prepared besides the musical material?
1: For sure. So ultimately, what you need to start off with is an intro video. And the intro video basically says, be a part of the making of this album, and you will unlock access to some really cool stuff. And then basically, when you create those updates, it really wants to be a little raw and rough to me. Some of my favorite updates that I've ever seen are when an artist is like, you know, um, I remember one artist was cutting their album and they were doing mixes down to quarter inch tape. And so you can see them, you know, they've gone from 24 track down to quarter inch. And there's this great moment where the engineer says, uh, the the artist is looking and he goes, check it out. He's like, shit's going to tape. This is awesome. And the engineer goes, yeah, but the problem is we're about to run out of tape. And then literally as he says it, he goes, and the tape runs off and Mm -hmm. he says, oh. And I'm really sorry the album you're about to make no longer gets to get made because we have run out of tape. So just making jokes about it or like watching the artist like rehearse harmonies or like, you know, get drum sounds or, or whatever it is, is really a cool way to do it. We built an iPhone app, which means that you can literally create them from the iPhone. And what I personally like and what I think fans really appreciate is, you know, they're used to getting really polished, high quality stuff from labels and from, you know, like it's all done. What they love is watching the little things that happen, you know, the chaos in the studio, the, um, oh, shit, my hard drive just melted, you know, the stuff that just happens when you're making music is really exciting to them. And what artists have to remember is that not everyone knows how to do what they do. And so people who don't know that are fascinated by it. And so you just have to share that little piece of excitement, interest. You know, what to an artist can be quite boring to a fan is incredibly exciting because not everyone follows their dreams and artists tend to do that so you know the little things that you might throw away as an artist are everything to a fan and so yes so so just sharing bits of the process you know uh, sharing how you wrote the song why you wrote it um, you know what went into it sharing pieces of stems those types of things are really exciting for fans and artists just tend to forget that you know Fans don't just want the end result. They love watching the journey as well. And it can be as exciting for them as it can be for the artist.
0: Uh, These days, I think it's even more important than in the past because you just mentioned that everything is delivered in a polished way and everything is done. And uh, the production quality is so high that it's just... I mean, we just get a machine-created material almost. So uh, these human elements can be added back to the whole thing when you just share it. And so,
1: but so, uh, there as well, Andrew, yeah? to think about too, is sorry to cut you off there, but, um, uh, some, one of my favorite, you know, speaking of like a great campaign th- video was the artist shared over a period of two weeks, the iPhone demo of the song, then led to the demo version in the studio, then led to the rough mix, then led to the final mix, then led to the, polished pre-mastered mix that then led to the mastered mix so if you're a fan you got to watch that move through each part of its process and you know some artists are very comfortable with that others aren't but there's often a really cool weird crazy vibe to know that like you're listening to the pre-production master some people love that i'm one of them you know i love to hear that part I'm thinking, you know, there's a Peter Gabriel uh, song that I remember hearing in a movie soundtrack and you can hear it's really rough. It's kind of a demo. But then you hear it later on in the polished version. And this one, you know, the original's got its own weird haunting quality to it. So I think that, again, fans are fascinated by it. Let them be a part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a bit more on the technical side. It just sounds like the artist can use uh, your app and uh, the platform for sharing these kinds of updates uh, through the platform. So it's syndicated on social uh, networks. So it's almost like a social media uh, management tool to me. So do, do you see that artists actually use it more actively throughout the campaigns than posting directly to social media profiles?
1: Um, yeah, we actually encourage them to uh, do both because ultimately, what you see, you know, it, it shouldn't all be hard sell towards the record. So basically, you know, if you were to do one post through pledge a week or two a week, then that's really, you know, quite sufficient. But you should make them a little bit special. You know, you know the, using the syndication technology to show people what you ate for lunch is a different, <laughs> different <Yeah>. animal that <laughs> could get old really fast. So I guess part, there is a bit of an art to it. But to me, once a week, once every week and a half is really, really cool. And also what each update does is it it also uh, sends a push notification if they have the pledge app or it also sends an email if they have a, um, uh, you know, if, if they link their email to it. And again, you know, what you choose to allow into your inbox as a fan right now is really quite important because, you know, it's as people go more into social, more into texting, who you let into that email inbox is, you know, it's telling. And the fact that a lot of these superfans allow an artist to directly contact them by email in this way is a very, very cool piece of the pie. And so, yeah, we never want to um, forget that.
0: Have you tried implementing uh, text messaging to fans?
1: Uh, We actually don't need to with our system because basically in order to get into it, they're all thing in with email, Facebook, Twitter, etc. So that's been enough for us. And I think that ultimately, too, a lot of fans in some of our research feel a little bit too much overreach if we use texting as well. Yeah, I agree. So. I, agree.
0: I, I was just curious to hear your input. So that perfectly makes sense, especially with push notifications, see if an app is installed, it's more than enough. Okay, great. So I think there is there has been a lot of interesting insights. And uh, for an artist listening to this show who wants to try it out, and uh, maybe there is a, a single or an album in the works, so if uh, someone considers using the platform uh, for that release, what are the next steps?
1: Yeah, so basically um, sign up on the platform and one of our team will come on in and, and assist or else um, they can tweet us, you know, Pledge Muse, at Pledge Music or at Benji K. Rogers is me. Yeah, to just just get in touch. We're all friendly. We're fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good and so important these days, especially. So I'm linking to your website, of course, and to your social media profiles and so on in the show notes. I really appreciate everything that you've shared. Uh, looking forward to keeping an eye on the new developments. I see that Pledge Music appears in the news and the music tech blogs more and more often uh, recently, which is cool. So uh, keep up the great work and thanks a lot for the interview.
1: Will do. Thank you very much.
0: You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at
1: wespin12.com We Spin 12